0: Welcome to the PA Football Story Podcast, where your host, Chad Brewbaker, will sit down and talk to coaches and players to discuss the classic stories and rich history surrounding the game of football in Pennsylvania. Please hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform to get all of the latest content. You can also follow us on Twitter at the PA Football S1. Again, that's the PA Football S and the number one, or on our Facebook page, the PA Football Story Podcast. If you would like to contact us about advertising, please email us at pafootballstorypodcast at gmail.com. Today's guest on the PA Football Story Podcast is retired Pottsgrove head football coach Rick Pennypacker. Coach Pennypacker, an inductee in both the Montgomery County Coaches Hall of Fame and the PSFCA Hall of Fame, was the head football coach at Pottsgrove for 29 years. Compiling 237 victories, nine Pioneer Athletic Conference titles, and four District 1 AAA championships. And now, your host, Chad Brubaker.
1: All right. Welcome, Rick. Thanks uh, for coming on the podcast this morning. You're welcome. I, hey, Tad, thank you. I appreciate you having me. No, it's just something fun to do and hear great stories, you know. Um, so we'll just jump right into it. You know, you uh, graduated from Springford in 1972, and you were recruited um, to play at West Virginia um, for Bobby Bowden. And you know, it's crazy these days with the portal and the extra year for COVID. And and um, I just wanted to hear a little bit maybe about um, your recruiting experience and and how that all went.
2: Well, when I was recruited out Springford, it, it's a lot different than what it is today. Um, you know, coaches would come through the office and and talk to me and spend about five minutes and then they would move on. But you know, I was I was really interested in some of the uh, some of the big schools at that time. I, I took a trip to Arizona State. There was a guy here from Spring City, um, Tanaro, and he was a big athlete at Spring City High School. I think he played when my father was playing or something. But he was the defensive coordinator out there, and he had me come out to Arizona State and. You know, I went all over the country, took my visits. But um, my, my the big thing was I wanted to play linebacker. I was a linebacker in high school, and I wanted to play linebacker. And Penn State brought me up, and Joe said, uh, you're not playing linebacker. You're going to put your <laughs> hand in the dirt. So I went to West Virginia, and Bobby Bowden said, oh, you You could be a linebacker, so I, I'm going to go to West Virginia and be a linebacker. And the first day I was there, I put my hand in the dirt. as an offensive goal. <laughs> So, you know, fast forward 15 years, 20, 30 years later, I was taking Brent Carter up to Penn State when he was being recruited and sat in Joe's office. And Joe said, well, oh, bowed wide to you, didn't he? I said, well, <laughs> coach, <laughs> but uh, yeah, recruiting is a lot different. And uh, uh, I, was, I was very interested in Wake Forest. There was a coach down there named Cal Stoll who was recruiting me real heavy to go to Wake Forest. And then all of a sudden he got the job at Minnesota. So he called me to go to Minnesota. And I said, that's too cold for me up there. But uh yeah, it was it was different and you know, back then you got a red shirt year and I wasn't able to be red shirted that year. I had to you know, I got to dress a couple of varsity games at, at West Virginia as a freshman, but um recruiting's a lot different today. We had the old film and I don't even know what my coaches did, Coach Bainbridge, uh what he did for me as far as getting films out, but um it was a lot different and I don't I don't really envy any coach today that has to go through the recruiting process with kids.
1: Yeah. That's interesting too, about the film Did you know, the coaches sit down and look at the 16 millimeter. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 16 millimeter, you
2: know, and you you had to loop it through the projector and, and, you know, it was all that skipping and everything, but, uh, and they weren't quality films like you have today. There was no shots and, you know, if it was raining, it was, you know, you couldn't see the field. It, It was a lot different, but, uh, so I don't know how they they went about it, but uh, I know my my high school coach, Coach Bainbridge, he he was uh, very instrumental in me getting recruited, and uh, and I was I was very happy to go to West Virginia.
1: Yeah. So you went to West Virginia, you played there, and then um, you were offered a grad assistant job, correct? Yeah. Wow. Yes. Wow.
2: Yeah. I, that was a, a crazy time. You know, we went to the Peach Bowl my senior year, and and you know. I'm sure that uh, anyone can tell you that back then, you know, when you go to a bowl game, uh, if you win a bowl game, we were there for New Year's Eve in Atlanta. So we went out and we had a great time. here we with the alumni. And So, you know, fast forward a couple of weeks later, I come back from our, our winter break, and there's a note on the on the bulletin board, you know, Penny Packer, see Coach Bowden. So I'm, uh what, what do we do in Atlanta? Do we do something? Do we say something in front of the alumni that some – you know, or we, cause we didn't even go to bed. We stayed out all week, all night and partied. And, um, so I go in, he said, uh, he said, he's going to take the job at Florida state. And I said, wow. wow. And he says that's going to be the hotbed of high school football here soon. And I I said, coach, we played Miami of Florida and they're terrible. I said, terrible. <laughs> so anyway, he had a vision that it was going to be the, uh, the, the hotbed of high school football. So he offered me a job and, uh, the go as a grad assistant. And I called my dad and told my dad and he said, that's great. And so I called my fiance who I just got engaged a couple of weeks before at Christmas and told Ann about it. And she said, well, if you're going to Florida, I'm not going with you. And <laughs> so I, I stayed and uh, I, I did my student teaching and uh, the coach always, when he would come up here to visit and uh, come up in the area, he would come see me i I go to see him. And he always brought that up to me that, you know, you could have been with me, you could have been down here and, but I made the right choice. I I I enjoy high school football. My friends that have got into college football, I think they, you know, they've been in about six or seven different schools. You know, so I, I couldn't do that. I couldn't travel, you know, move
1: from school to school. So, high school football has been good to me. So you graduated from West Virginia. You did your student teaching, and then um, you came out and you got a job pretty quickly. Correct. I got a job because of Coach Bowden. That that's, that's I
2: went to that would went, help. Yeah. Well, I went <laughs> went to an interview. Uh, later on in that that year. And when I walked into the superintendent's office and there was only two phys ed jobs in the entire state of West Virginia that were open. So everybody applied for it, but I got an interview. So I went into the superintendent's office and I sat down there and I saw in the picture, there was a picture of him and Bobby Bowden at some banquet. So I went through the interview and I left the interview and I called up the coach's office at Morgantown. I said, Dixie, the secretary, do you know Coach Bowden's number down at Florida State? And she said, I can give you the office number. So I I said, okay. So I got home uh, with Ann in, up in Morgantown and I called Coach Bowden's office. And of course he had a secretary, he couldn't get a hold of him. And I just gave the message. And you know, two hours later, this superintendent called me and said, uh, son, I'm offering you this job. Nice. And I was like, oh, thank you. You know, it's nice. And um, he said, yeah, Coach Bowden gave you a great recommendation. So he called the guy and told him and, and I got that job through him. Uh, but that was an experience. That was an experience, you know, going down, you know, I had to take and down to – it was Appalachia, West Virginia. It was – we were in the hills of West Virginia. Um, Believe me. uh, There was one county high school, and uh, so I started at the middle school and started as a a seventh and eighth grade coach. And uh, that was an experience. I mean – and I laugh at coaches today that, you know, because some of them say, well, you know, I have to – I have to do this and do that. Well, when you were coaching down there, you you drove the bus, you lined the field, you did the laundry, you know, you collected the money. You did everything. You did everything as a coach. And uh, but 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 Chad, I tell you, the, the first the first week come there, I almost get fired. I, I almost didn't even get to coach a game. Our first game uh, was at the you know at, at home, and we had to line the field that morning. And here comes some kid down the road with a mini bike. And he goes on our field, and he starts doing donuts and tearing up all the lines that we had and everything. And uh, my assistant coach that I had with me, he he was saying something to me. I said, I'm going to get that kid. I'm 23 years old, and I'm still, you know, <laughs> I still got a little bit of uh, vigor in me, you know. So I go chasing the kid. I grab him. I pull him off the mini bike. I'm about ready to just, you know. <laughs> and my assistant coach is just stop, stop, stop. So I said, what are you doing? And I, I made the kid come up and clean up and, and, and rake where we were and everything because we were in some dirt. And um, so I come to find out that night my superintendent sees me at the game and he said, uh, next time you grab a kid by the scruff of the neck, make sure it's not the school board president's son. <laughs> oh, man. So yeah, so that was uh that was an experience. That was but uh yeah, it was it was uh we had a good team and uh, but for two years, I, I coached at the middle school, and that was uh, that was something else.
1: Um, you know, in our notes that we talk, you know, over the uh, notes that we have here, you said right. something about a bobcat, and I want to hear about that story. Well, you know, the and
2: there was a hospital, and, and I, I'm not I'm not exaggerating. You know, when my daughter was uh, born, we had to drive in a snowstorm. Um, I guess maybe. 55, 60 miles to a hospital up in Elkins, West Virginia. And that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother story. That, that was a crazy time too, you know. Um, I was, I drove into the hospital, dropped Dan off at two o'clock in the morning. I went out to the car, parked my car, came running back in. And, uh, you know, and, and the lady says to me, where's your insurance card? And I said, oh, it's in my glove compartment. I run back out to the car, kept my glove compartment. I reach in there, I put a fish hook in my hand. I'm in the emergency room getting twelve stitches in my hand while my daughter's being bored upstairs. And that didn't go over well. That, that that's God, not. anyway, the kids had a then the uh following Friday, the kids had a shower for my wife and and I and the whole school was there. They had we had presents. I don't even I don't even know what some of them were, you know, but so there's one time boy uh about a week later, I was coaching basketball. I was at basketball practice after school, and this boy come up and says My wife knocked on the phone and said, Ann Miss Payback, I got you a present for the baby. (laughs) Gosh, what what do you have? Come on in. So he brought him in, he had a a burlap bag. He took him into the uh into the living room and he says, I got the baby something really good. And he pulled out a bobcat out of of the (laughs) burlap bag, and then but the back of her hair, you know, the neck and the back of her head straight up in the air, and she screamed and and uh said, Oh Joe, you, I can't take that. That's too valuable. Well, Miss PayPac, you get it mounted and put it on the mantle, that baby have that for the rest of her life. And Anna is like, she's going crazy, you know. So I come home, and she says, You're not gonna believe this. And I, I that that's took a bobcat, had a real bobcat. And she tells that story, and, and she said that she's never been so scared in her life. And then those guys down there, you know, my my first week I was there, they come up to me and said, Coach, you're like, dear me. And I said, "Yeah, I like deer and meat." I said, "Okay." So that night, seven thirty, eight o'clock at night in August, pickup truck comes up in front of my house and throws the deer out. And said, "Here, coach, here's your deer meat." I said, "What am I going to do with that?" Well, you skin it, and you butcher it, and freeze it. Do it yourself. No, I have no clue what you're talking about. I'm from Philadelphia. I don't know anything about deers. They all laugh about that, but uh, yeah, it was a it was a it was a a, a good experience, you know. And my my. Um, I think my son Matthew would have loved living down there. I don't think my other family, Ross and Liz, they couldn't deal with that. And then my first – then, Chad, I, I get elevated up to the high school. I get to coach at the high school. And uh, Pocahontas County, if anyone looks it up, if uh, anyone knows anything about it, they're, they're, my offensive guards live 53 miles apart. There's one county high school in the middle of the county, and 23 miles up this way was uh, one kid. And thirty miles the other way was another kid. My two offensive guards lived fifty-three miles apart. It was unbelievable. And you know, driving, you know, we would take bus rides, we would leave at two o'clock in the afternoon, one o'clock in the afternoon to go play a football game. I mean, we were we were on the bus all day. But my very first day of practice at the high school, um we were we were our high school's on a hill, we had to go on these steps down to the practice field and I'm in my little bike shorts and you know and, so, and I, I thought I was all cool and everything and we're going out the locker room to go down the steps and all the kids started running back up the steps and my assistant my head coach says, stay right here and I said what is this stand just don't move I didn't move so one kid ran up to his pickup truck got his, his gun came down stood on top of the steps and shot a deer that was in the practice field <laughs> I said it's not deer season coach he said it doesn't matter these kids coach he said this is their meat yeah. so he went Dragged it over to the side of the practice field by a creek, gutted it, and uh, put it over his shoulder. And went up to the top of the hill and got in his truck. I said, "Is he coming to practice?" Now? He'll see you tomorrow. He's he's going home and he'll gut that deer and give it to the family and meet. And i my first day of practice. there's a kid who shoots a deer <laughs> and leaves practice. And I'm like, "Wow,
1: that's yeah." So, he, had, he had a rifle in his in his truck right on school so, property too, oh, right? Oh, their truck.
2: You no, know, every one of them. I, I'm sitting there today thinking, just I don't even know if they're allowed. But those guys, they had rifles in their trucks all the time. <laughs> it didn't matter to them down there. They were, but they were they were something else. But they you – yeah, know, I, I spent two, I spent four years in West Virginia, and it was some of the best four years of my of my life coaching down there. I had a lot of fun, and. Yeah. Uh, but it was it was not to be for my wife. My aunt was not going to raise our children in West Virginia. She, you know, there was no movie theater, there was no mall, there was, you know, there was nothing there. It was just a, you know, I, I was likened it to a little town up here called Linfield. It's very similar to that. It was that's about the size of the town it was, and so we couldn't, we couldn't stay there. So we we moved to Virginia. And how did that come about?
1: Oh well, you know, there's uh newspaper ads or
2: well my friend coached at Strasburg High School in Virginia, uh Glenn Proctor, and he was from West Virginia. He called and told me that there was a job open in May. It came up in May. And uh I applied for that. And of course, you know, throwing Coach Bound's name in there and all every chance I got. So uh I got the job, but it was in May. It wasn't in you know February, January, it was in May. So we hurried up and packed the family up and put them in a U-Haul and, and, and is uh, seven months pregnant. And, uh, you know, she, so it was funny. We were all the, all my players down in West Virginia came to help me move all the furniture, put it in the U-Haul. And one of my football coaches, parents came up and said, he owned the farm. He said, listen, I got 10 acres of land on my farm. He says, you stay, I'll give you that 10 acres of land to build a house on. And I'm, <laughs> And she goes, "Nope, we're leaving. <laughs> we're, we're leaving." And um, so, yeah, I took this job, and um, it was the biggest mistake I ever made. I, 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 it was the worst decision I've ever made, and it was it was probably the worst six years of my life working in, in it. And it was because I was not ready to be a head coach. I was, I I didn't know anything about coaching, anything about meetings and. I knew the X's and O's, but I didn't know anything about the other stuff, and I handled some situations wrong, and uh, it, it was hard. It was terrible. It was uh, those six years were were really really tough on my whole family and I.
1: Yeah. So. So you were twenty six at the time when you took that job.
2: <laughs> twenty six. I was probably the youngest head coach in the state of Virginia. And what happened was. Um, And I'm not going to use his name, but a a guy that I think a lot of people would know was from New York. And he took that job back in January. And, you know, so he was communicating with the coaches. And then he came down in the spring and spent about three or four days there. And he, he, he saw the writing wall. He said, nope, I'm not coming here. So he resigned, stayed in New York. And then the job came open and I didn't do my homework. And, you know, they fired a coach that was there before who was very popular. Uh, he he was he was a great guy. Been in the school system for about twenty years, and he was you know all the coaches, all the other coaches, and him got along very well. And um, and they fired him, and so I come in, and uh, wow, th- th- it was it was <laughs> you know I'm a, I'm an outsider, I'm a Yankee. Uh, it was it was a mess. It was a mess. And then I don't want to go, you know, but you can just read between the lines. It was like. Not as bad, but it was close to remember the Titans. It, uh, yeah, there, um, there was some really, really bad feelings down there between you know the races, and um, I, I, I couldn't handle either part of it. You know, the the uh, the black community. I was a white guy. and The black community didn't like me for that, and the white community didn't like me because I I was playing on a lot of the black kids, and it, it was just, I mean. I benched the quarterback, and uh, that night he came by my house and, and shot BBs in my, my windows. And uh, I, well, Ann was like, We got to get out of here. It was a mess. It was just,
1: yeah, you're
2: talking. It wasn't, it wasn't it, I was not ready to be a coach. I was not ready to be a head coach. So, you know, I, I, one year we were 4 0, and this team has never had a winning record for years. We were 4 0. And, uh, and you, you can relate to something like this. So we were coming back from a game and we had just won a game and it, there was a fight on the bus. Huh. I mean, it was ugly. So me, you know, being stupid rather than just trying to, you know, calm everyone down. I said, all right, everybody up on the practice field. <laughs> I started at 1030 at night. I was running these kids sprints and about 20 of them said, we're not doing it. I said, well, you're not doing it. Goodbye. So they said goodbye. So they left, and you know, then they come back on Monday with their parents. They want to get back on the team. I said, "Nope, nope, nope. No, you're not coming back. You know, you made your decision." And then we were four and oh, We went four and six. We lost the next six oh, games. Wow. But you know, I, I I was not ready to be a head coach. I was I was a, a terrible. I I apologize to those kids all the time. I, I said, you know, I I really w- was was unable to handle some of the adversity that we had. I was unable to. I was jealous of the other coaches, the other coaches, basketball coaches winning, the baseball coaches winning. And, you know, we just, we just, we just couldn't win. And I mean, I had a I had one coach, you'll like this story. I had one coach who uh, he came to me Friday night. Uh, he doesn't come to the game. He's not there. I'm like, where the heck is this guy? So we're trying to call you know his house because there's no cell phones back then. And, he doesn't he doesn't show up for the game. And then Saturday I go to his house, knock on the door. He's not there. The Sunday I knock on the door. So Monday morning I go to, up to his classroom. I said, Where were you? He said, well, you know, I I I just needed a break. So I got <laughs> on my motorcycle and I drove down Skyline Drive and I just camped out a couple of days and now I'm back and I'm refreshed. I said, Well, you know what? You're done coaching. And uh and my principal wouldn't let me fire him. I said, "I got, I can't let this guy coach." You know, he just left. Well, but uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was a bad experience for me. So, I, I, I resigned. I, I told Ann, you know, and, and the other thing that was really bad, Chad, is I was so poor that there was no money that they paid t- teachers and coaches. We had to pay for our health benefits and. I mean, we were just really, really struggling. So yeah. I told, her, and I said, I don't think I'm cut out for this coaching thing. And her comment was, uh, "Oh, now you tell me, you know? So <laughs> right? It, after six years, you tell me." But in, uh, and if you if you ever, um, when I first got there to this school, I, I Ann was pregnant and Ross was born in the middle of the night um, of my first year. So my first year, first week of practice, Ross is born. So I go to practice and I tell my coaches, you know, I've been up all night, but you know that they have not met Ann yet. So that after that after practice that afternoon, we go over to the hospital, and I take my coaches with me, and they go into the courtyard of the school and they pick flowers and they're taking flowers to Ann and everything. And so we go in and we you know we I introduce Ann to my coaches and she said, Oh, it's so nice that you guys come over to visit me. I'm so I'm so happy to see you we closed the curtain on the other side, I had a coach made for two hours. <laughs> she went nuts. Oh, she went, she went berserk on me, but yeah, that was, that was a bad experience. It was just, it was just really, really, really bad. And, yeah. and I learned my lesson. And I tell every coach, every coach i talked to that calls me about job. I say, do your homework, do your homework, you know, uh, make sure you have, you know, the support, make sure you have, people in your pockets with you because if you don't if you don't have a, a coaching staff that's going to be loyal to you if you don't have an administration that's going to be loyal to you you're going to be you're going to you're going to have some trouble and that's what i did so i resigned and um i'm going to be the i'm going to try to be the new athletic director at this high school and uh, my uh, and is just beside herself you know you brought me down here you brought me here and, and you know we're, we're not making it and you know, we were we were really, really, really having a hard time struggling with three little children under the age of six years old, seven years old. And we were, you know, so I'm going to be the new athletic director someday. So my athletic director was on, uh, is in the reserves. So he goes on his reserve duty in the summer and he says, I need you to take care of all the stuff that goes on here during the summer. So first day of practice, I go up to my, my old staff they're up there they're coaching now they got the job and so i go up i said you guys need anything and they said nope i said goodbye so i go out to the golf course mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm gonna play golf with the athletic director of high school and, and it's probably like maybe maybe very similar to spring pv north penn this athletic director was a, a head coach at this school and he became the ad but he had the he had so much success. You know, James Wood was one of the powerhouses in Northern Virginia as far as football was concerned. So we were playing, going play golf, and I told him I'd meet him there at 10 o'clock. And 10 o'clock comes, he's not there. 10 30, he's not there. And that's not like Jake. So then Jake says, uh, Jake comes about quarter of 11. And I said, where, where you been? He says, Oh, man, we just had a coach walk into our building today. And he had a built, he started a business in the summer, and the business took off. And we walked into the building, and he resigned. I said, he resigned? He said, yeah, he resigned. I said, so I'm looking for a guy. You know anybody who teaches phys ed and wants to be a a defense coordinator? Let me know. So I I looked at him and said, you know what, Jake? I may be interested in that. So we didn't play golf. I went home. uh, I went home, told Ann. Ann said, you're not going to be happy unless you're coaching. So I drive up to James Wood, and Jake takes me in to meet the principal. And he says, Here's our new phys ed teacher. And the principal said, okay. That's what he said. Okay. Then Then I went down to meet the head coach and uh, Dick Harmison was, was, he's probably the greatest coach I've ever been around. He is the, he looked at me and uh, he said, I'm going to ask you three questions. I said, okay. He said, can you be loyal to me? I said, yeah. He said, do you want to work? I said, yeah. He says, can you get along with the kids? I said, yeah, that's (laughs) it. You're hired. So I said okay, and it was about 3:30. He gives me a defensive playbook that's about two inches thick. I said, "Here, look through this and learn this. You're my defensive coordinator. I'll see you practice tomorrow at uh, six <laughs> o'clock." So I went home the whole night. I went home all night and 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 looked this, studied this thing, and uh, you know, and that's that's where I where I found out I hate the wing T because they ran the wing T, and they, <laughs> I, had be, I had to be the offensive line coach. And all those rules and all those down backer backer. Oh, uh, I'm there going. Oh, I, I couldn't be. I couldn't memorize all that. So, so I was a D coordinator under him, and he was a he was he coached with Lou Holtz, Bobby Ross, and Marv Levy at William and Mary, and then he went to he coached with Bill Stewart at VMI, and then he retired, and became the the head coach of this high school, and he he re, he rejuvenated my career. He I. I learned more football in that, those two years of how to coach than, than I've ever learned in my life. He, he, he was unbelievable as far as, as helping me to learn how to be a coach. I knew all the tricks of the trade, but I didn't know the trade. I didn't know. I didn't know about scouting reports. I didn't know about, I mean, we, he ran this football program like a college. Yeah. And uh, I know a lot of coaches today meet and meet and meet and meet. We would meet at a, uh, two three o'clock in the afternoon on Sunday afternoon. And we would leave there till 11, 30, 12 o'clock at night. We had that scouting reports done. He would type it on his, on his typewriter. we run them off on the mimeograph machine. <laughs> <laughs> it was, but it was, uh, it, he ran like a college and uh, he taught me so much about football. It, it was just unbelievable. So, so I was there for two years and it was cool. And that was a great experience. Funny story there. Um, uh, I'm into the, I'm in the uh, coach's office and Coach Harmison coached, uh, he was uh, a phys ed teacher with me and the phone rang and I picked it up and secretary said, uh, Coach Harmison has a phone call, do you want to take it? I said, yeah, I'll take it. So I take it. Hello? He says, uh, is Dick there? I said, nah, he's in the bathroom right now. I take a message. He goes, yes. Yeah, tell him Lou Holtz called. I said, yeah, right. I said, <laughs> I said, Kevin, was, we had another coach who worked at another building and he always used to play jokes. I said, Yeah, Kevin, that's real smart. i yeah, he says, What? I said, Yeah, Kevin, you know, you're not that's not Lou Holtz. I hung up on him. So <laughs> Armisen, Armisen comes out of the bathroom and he says, uh, who was that? I said, ah, I was Kevin. He said, What do you want? I, said, I don't know. He was acting like he was Lou Holtz. And I said, he said, Are you sure it wasn't Lou Holtz? I said, uh, n- no. He goes, well, you know, I talked to him once in a while. I'm there, oh, golly. I'm... So, <laughs> so a couple of days later, Lou Holtz called back. And he, he was talking to Dick about it, and Dick said, oh, yeah, I got this rookie coach here. He doesn't know my, my <laughs> text, So, And then, uh, you know, fast forward you know, up here at Sunnybrook, uh, Bill Loa, who runs the uh, Chamber of Commerce for up here, he had the Chamber of Commerce dinner. He had Lou Holtz as the speaker. So I – he gives me tickets and i take one of my buddies and we walk through the door and he says, hey, you ever met Lou Holtz? I said, no. He said, well, come on, I'll take you out and meet him. So he t- Bill took me outside. There was a big limo and he opened the door and says, Coach Holtz, this is one of my friends. He's a high school football coach. And so I said, hey, how you doing, son? I shook his hand and he's in there being interviewed by Howard Eskin. And uh, so I said, yeah, coach, we have a we have a. a, a common connection here he said who's that i said dick harmison well he said get in here sit down close the door i closed he and i talked for and howard eskin was interviewing him and he got all upset because uh you know dick was or lou was talking to me the whole time so then when he said it's okay coach time to go in he says, hey you're coming in with me you're sitting with me and bill lowe said no he you're sitting on the stage There's, you know you're up on the dais you got he said i said coach go ahead so it was funny. I told him the story. I said, Do you remember when someone hung up on you when you called Dick Harmison?" He says, uh, no. He says, I've had a lot of people hang right up on me. I said, yeah, okay. Man. But he was cool. He was really good. It was funny. So man, that was a great experience. Uh Coach Harmeson is is um oh uh, he he did things and my wife says, If you ever do something like that, I, I'll divorce you. I mean, he his wife was at UVA hospital having Open heart surgery on a Friday, and he took off school. and He says, "I won't be at the game on Friday night." So we were playing over Stafford County, and at six thirty at night, Dick comes rolling in his car, comes out. and Coach, I said, "Coach, said, what's your wife for that? She's sleeping. She won't get up to midnight." So they said she won't. Be <laughs> I said, "I'm just gonna go coach the game and get back. She won't even know what's going gone." I'm like, "Oh yeah." <laughs> He was, he was something else. He was, uh, he was one of the greatest coaches I've ever been around. And he, he, he kind of like rejuvenated my career. And that's, you know, and four guys that coached with him, all of them became head coaches. And, uh, you know, he was always telling us, you know, I'm I'm training you guys to be a head coach. And he taught me everything, everything that I, I learned, you know, as far as coaching is from him. I knew and I knew X's and those, but all the other stuff, handling, handling, you know, parents and 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 just dealing with things, he was, he was amazing, amazing. So so yeah, he was he was the man.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean listen, that's uh I'd give the same advice to younger coaches too, like let it, let it happen, don't try to force it, you know, because those, right. those things you you need to be around and you need to see them, no yeah. doubt about it.
2: The one thing he did, Chad, that i, I, I said this at the uh, at the Hall of Fame speech, and I, it was one of the most uh, rewarding things that ever happened to me, you know. And, and I'm sure you uh, you have groomed some young coaches too, and you may have seen this, but the first year I was with him, we went up to scrimmage, and we we still we just got those VHS tapes where you can take the VHS tape and throw into the, in the thing, and you can watch TV that 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 afternoon of the scrimmage. So we came back, and he's put the tape on, and I was like, "Wow, we we actually don't have to wait for this sixteen millimeter to be developed; we can watch it already." So we're up there watching film, and I am just I'm ranting, man. Look at this kid; he's seven technique; he's getting blown off, and look at this defensive lineman; he's not he's not lined up right. I'm just like spouting off, and about ten minutes later, Coach flips on the lights and, "All right, everyone, go home. See you tomorrow for our coaches meeting." And all these guys look at me like, I said, What's up? And I said, Rick, you stay. So, all right. So now I'm going to get my butt chewed out. And he says, "Uh, I want you to go ahead and put the defense on the board up there. So I put my defense up. He said, Okay, tell me something about every one of those kids. So I said, Okay, the tackle is, you know, his name is so and so. He's six foot three, 265. He he runs, he's not very fast, he's not very good. Right on down the line, every kid. Tell me something about your linebacker. Oh, the linebackers. You know, Eddie Hilliard. He's this and he's that. He's six foot one, and and you know uh, this and that. And so I did about eight guys, and they said, okay, now tell me something about each kid off the football field. And I'm there going. Uh, this kid drives a Mustang, and he said, well, did you know that that one boy up there, your defensive tackles, dad died last year and he was a phys ed teacher at this school, and he died in this office right here in a heart attack. you know that that defensive end's mom has breast cancer, and he's he's dealing with that? Do you know your defensive back has to get up every morning at 4.30 and, and work on the farm for two hours before school? And I said, I didn't know any of that. And he said, well, let me tell you something. Before kids you know, care to listen, they listen to see if you care. So I said, if you don't care about those kids, you know, You can rant and rave all you want, but if if you don't care about them, they're going to turn you off. And that, that just blew my mind. That blew my mind. It was, uh, you know, it was, it was an experience. I, he, he was that guy. He was that guy. So, uh, and then, you know, two years later, the Grove job opens up and I didn't want to go. And he says, you got to go. He said, you got to, you got to at least try. So after the one the experience I had in virginia I was a little shell shocked to come up here but um it worked out pretty good
1: yeah so that was around 1990 correct 89 was my first year at pocsgrad oh, okay yeah and that
2: <laughs> that was a uh, that was well you know you you start out as a, as a, as a as a coach and going in with a program and uh you know it was uh you know ken harker road did a great job up there he was a great coach uh but you know, Potts went through a little bit of a social change when I got there. And, uh, you know, there was there, there there were more minorities moving into the district. And I think that kind of was a was a problem for some people. Some people couldn't handle that as well. Um, but I, I I really I really uh, investigated Potts Grove more than they investigated me. And I went to some of my coaches here, some of my former coaches that were that coached me here in high school. I went to them and talked to them about it and. They all gave me the thumbs up on it. Said you go. So
0: like what you hear so far. Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. Now back to the show.
1: You know it's interesting when you say that, uh, Rick, because um, you know if we kind of look at the at the whole thing, maybe that situation in Virginia was meant for you to be able to. Navigate some of that stuff that right. you just mentioned at Potts Grove,
2: right? Absolutely, and and you know, I I I tell people you know that those six years I was in Virginia made me a better football coach. It made me, uh, you know, and and there was times where when I was in Virginia, you know, I, I looked at some other jobs. I, I wanted to get out of there, and you know, I wasn't going to be hired by anybody because we had no success. And uh, you know, I, I it was it was just it it taught me a lot of lessons. It, it taught me lessons that I still. I still you know work work on today you know uh to 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 be able to not be so uh vindictive and 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 you know when you make a decision you know you better remi- remind yourself that that decision stands in stone so if you make a decision you gotta stay, stay with it and you know I was always quick to you know get out get off the field I'm tired of you I don't want to be you're done get out you know attend <laughs> right. yeah you know, I'm here. The kid says, "All right, you know, screw you, I'm leaving." You know, and then next thing you know, man, you know, she's stupid man, he's right. So I, I learned my lessons. I learned all my all my bad lessons, but there, they were some good kids down there, and they, there were some good players down there. And uh, you yeah. know, one of the greatest players I ever coached, Daryl Whitmore. You know, he he went to West Virginia and and played in West Virginia for four years, and, and then he played with the Florida Marlins in baseball. It, it, they had some great players, but they didn't have a good coach and uh, I was the reason why we didn't win down there.
1: Yeah. I mean, all that, uh, I just, I think that, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily believe that all things happen for a reason, but it's sometimes hard to deny that when you look at, you know, you look at some of the stuff that you just talked about.
2: Yeah. And you know, one other thing, Chad, that happened down there too. And it's, it's, um you know, my father died in 1985 and my dad, my dad never saw us win, you know, she, he never saw, uh, you know, the benefit of, of me coaching. He started saying to me, just hang in there, just hang in there, just hang in there, you know, and then he passed away and, you know, that kind of like blew my mind. And, you know, it was, it was just, it was just a, a bad experience. You know, three kids and one car having to walk them to school. And then you know, I picked the kids up to school and we had to walk a mile and a half back home and snow and everything. Cause then was thinking the car, we, it was just, um, uh, it made, it made our family a lot stronger. I can tell you that.
1: But, sure. Um, Do you remember your teaching and coaching salary? Uh, yeah, I think <laughs> I can tell you, I, I and,
2: and and can tell you more about this, but we only got paid for 10 months. You couldn't get them. You couldn't get 12 months salary. You couldn't get your oh, paycheck. Right. twelve. we only paid for 10 and my bring home for the, for a month was, uh, 740 dollars. And I had to pay two hundred dollars for health insurance, and there was no there was no medic. You know, right. I, I think my coaching salary was like six hundred dollars, seven hundred dollars a year. It was, it was it was just. Then we went when I went to James Wood. You know, it was a little bit better, but Pennsylvania. When I came up to Pennsylvania, they told me my salary. Uh, I'm there going, what? You know, <laughs> Are you serious? And I get my benefits paid for, it. I get my. You know, medication paid for oh yeah it was uh it was it was crazy it really was but and you know and i and i look at people today you know i i i was i was out last night with somebody and and he's a coach in a, in a school and he's you know he's got 30 years experience in. he's got his master's and everything and you know he he told my wife and i says yeah well, i'm making about 125 120 and oh <laughs> you know and, and I, uh, but hey it, it's it's it, you know Pennsylvania is uh is good for teachers and they have a union we didn't have a union down there so it was it was it was, it was crazy it really was
1: yeah so you, you came to Potsgrove in 1989 um, right. they hadn't had a lot of success in uh in the previous few years I think correct right the second year we were there
2: we won we won the uh, the pack the Pac-10, and the, then we, we repeated it the following year. That was those guys back then. Uh, my first year there, I went out. <laughs> you, you'll like this one. I had I had uh, my first year at Postgrove, I had my coaches come to my in-laws' house because we were living with my in-laws. and I had all my coaches come down. We are going to have a coaches' meeting. So I'm on, the, I'm on this whiteboard, and I'm like, okay, here, look, we're going to go – we're going to run this over defense. you know, We're going to play a seven technique, a three technique, a one technique, a five technique. You know, our backers have A gap, B gap, and the blah, blah, blah. I'm going on for about 15, 20 minutes. Uh, and one of my assistant coaches, Mike Tommaso, who worked with me for 30, 30 – oh, the whole time I was there, he raised his hands and said, Coach, uh, what are you talking about? <laughs> I said, what do you mean, what are all these numbers? I said, yeah. Their the defensive alignments. He said, "We don't know anything about that." I'm like, "Oh, golly. So <laughs> start so, over, start over. So we, yeah, but they were, they were, they were such great coaches. I, I, man, you know that first year, we, we weren't good, but we had some, we had some fun times. with and we had some good coaches too. Um, but the first year, Chad, I went out. There was you know fifty kids on the first day of practice, and I turned around, and told my coach, and says, "Oh." we got, there's a lot of kids here. And I said, we're going to update these agilities from four minutes of station to like eight minutes of station. And we're going to see how many kids want to stay. And I think we ended up with, uh, my first year, I think we ended up with 32 kids and we only had five seniors on that team. So, you know, they, they, they the following year was, was, was was a big year for us. Those guys, they, they were good. They were, they were a good football team.
1: Um, Were you double A or triple A when you first started there? We were triple. Okay. Have the playoffs like they did today?
2: I I don't know. I think one year we were fifth. I think my I think in ninety one we were fifth, and they took the top four in the East: Berwick, Allentown, Central Catholic. I forget who else it was, but we were fifth. I don't even know that. I didn't know they. I don't know how they got to the playoffs back then, but. But uh, they those guys were good. They were good. They were um, they were they were a very good football team. I know uh, when 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 our second year there when we started winning, you know it, it got contagious, and and the school, these the, the administration, everybody got behind us, and uh, you know and, and you know as a coach, sometimes you know when you got a good football team. In the fall, it kind of like propels everything the whole school year, you know, and makes it for a good school year for the whole whole school. And that's what we had. The community got behind us, and you know, we, we went to Springford and we were both undefeated. And um Springford had great, great guys. Uh, I think Gary Rodenball was on that team, and uh, I've got Weinberger. I don't know if Ralph O'Neill was was on that yet or not. I don't I don't know yet. But they had some great players, and we were we were like everyone said we were going to get beat. And uh, you know, we won seventeen nothing, and uh, there was the, the crowd. You know, stormed the field, and there was a kid that was a a pain in the butt in my class. He's a senior, and he he was just always in trouble, always. But he's running across the field, you know, jumping up and down and hugging us and everything. I'm mean, like, wow, this this really means something to this school, and it was it was pretty good. We were we were very happy. Funny story about that. I, I know you. Pro- I, I may have told you this before. Pius and Potsgrove was a great rivalry. That that rivalry was just that amazing. was thank
1: you. You played Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving at one o'clock.
2: At yeah, one o'clock. and that was a rivalry. I, I mean, you you can't even and I I can I Some of the stories that were that were told to me coming into Pottsgrove, I, I I didn't believe them. But when I was in that rivalry, it was crazy. So we had a we had a bonfire on wednesday night before thanksgiving every year and so we were um i guess we were off school we had in service those week parent teacher conferences and we go to practice that wednesday morning you know had the kids in for practice early and then we had parent teacher conferences to like six o'clock and then had the bonfire well we come in on the wednesday morning to practice and all the wood for the bonfire is burnt it's, it's gone. It's just, <laughs> so pious uh, guys come over, someone come over and yeah, hit the fire it. Lit before. So uh, it was all right. So the next day I go into the office, you know, and, and I'm in, you know, it's a one o'clock game. So I'm in there pretty early, you know, eight, nine o'clock. I'm sitting in my office and uh, Harry crush, the chief of police comes walking in with my athletic director. And he says, coach, I need to talk to you. I said, what? He says, uh, someone stole the Blessed Virgin Mary statue from Pius. <laughs> <laughs> what? He said, "Yeah, it's gone." And so I said, "Well, my football players wouldn't do something like that." <laughs> no. He said, "Well, there's a couple of kids on your team's names came up." So I said, "Whoa!" So here they come in. They're thrown in, and I, I I get the kids together. I say, hey, "Listen, you know, uh, if we don't find that statue, and that statue is not back at Pius before the game starts, we're forfeiting this game." And uh, my athletic director saying, "Wait a minute! Now you, I, I'm there. Uh-oh, I'm running my mouth." I yeah, know. right, right, right. <laughs> so, um, so about ten minutes later, Harry Crush come walking back in and says, "Coach, that statue mysteriously was found in your parking lot out there. Someone <laughs> took out the car and put it out by. Then, you know they, they took it back and everything was good. But that, that was a great rivalry. That was, uh, that was, that was a fun rivalry." And it, it got ugly at times, but uh, it, was, it, was, it was a good time. So, yeah, that was uh, – that, that was that – was, uh, you know, Jim Mick and Ken Harkle Road, those two guys were at Pius and Pius Grove for years and years and years, and they just went at it back and forth every year. So, then it was, you know, Bill Rogers was there, and then uh, they had a few different coaches. Then Dave Bedolas come over, and he, re- he reinvigorated that rivalry because he went through it. And it, was, it, was, it was fun. It was fun.
1: The um, you know, you've had a lot of uh great players at Potts Grove and um maybe Terrell Chestnut's at the top of that heap. Um yes. Yeah. He ended up going to your alma mater as
2: well. Yeah, for some reason I've had a bunch of guys go to West Virginia, but <laughs> yeah. Uh Terrell Chestnut was just uh a funny story that he he went to pick he signed with Pitt and all oh, those West Virginia coaches, I don't know, you know, Kralavich you know, and and those guys, yeah. were. they were ticked off at me, man. How can you let a kid go to Pitt? You know, how can you let this kid go <laughs> to Pitt? And I'm like, well, we went out there, you know, and, 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 you know, Dave wants, that was the coach and, and wants that treated us like, like, like Kings out there. And then he got fired. Uh, so, well, as soon as he got fired, Terrell came to me and said, uh, "I don't know if I want to go to Pitt if Coach Weinstein's not there." Well, I don't know if he got fired; he moved on. I'm not quite sure what happened. Yeah, right. But uh, he, so Terrell, I called West Virginia up and I said, "Hey, Terrell's thinking about decommitting from uh, Pitt and going to West Virginia." And they said, do was call him right away." So I put him on the phone, and he accepted the scholarship to West Virginia. He had one left, and they gave it to him. And so he went. Uh, he went down there, had a great career, but a great. Recruiting story for kids, and I, I try to tell kids every time I get a chance. Um, I had LSU come into my office, and the coach from LSU walks in, and he comes up and and you know LSU back then was was, was pretty darn good too. And he says, uh, "I'm here to see this 12 chestnut kid. I've been hearing a lot about him from people from coaches down in the city area." But I said, "Okay." So I go up to a study hall. And in the fourth period, he has study hall. I go up to a study hall teacher. And I said, I need to have Terrell out of class to talk to this coach. And uh, she says, he's not here. And I said, where is he? And she said, he, he doesn't come to study hall for uh, three <laughs> days anymore. I said, well, what, is he skipping? She says, I don't know. You may want to check the cafeteria somewhere. Um, and I have a coach right there with me. Right. And I'm oh, gosh, oh, I'm in trouble. Oh, this kid's skipping class. Or what's he doing, going to the cafeteria eating lunch because there's there's a break. There's a 20-minute break between lunches. So that 20 minutes, he's he's down at the cafeteria by himself having two lunches. I'm there. Uh, no. So I get out of the cafeteria, and the special needs kids are in there. And Terrell is sitting with them having lunch with them. And I went up to the teacher, wow. and I said, hey, uh, what, what's going on? She says, coach, Terrell comes down here three days a week and has lunch with our kids. And I'm there. Wow, and and the Louisiana the LSU coach stands right next to me, and uh, he went up and introduced himself, talked to Terrell. So I said, "Coach, I'll get you some film." He said, "Hey, coach, uh-uh, I don't need film." He says, "I'm offering that kid a scholarship right here." He says, "I'm I don't need film, I need kids like this on my football team," and he oh, offered to yeah. stop to Terrell right there. And I said, "Do you need to get? You need to call your head coach?" He said, "No, no, I don't need I don't need anything. That kid, I want him at LSU, and they recruited him hard." But he he didn't want to go down there. It was too far away from his family. But and that's what you know the little things that people look at when they come recruit. I don't know about you, Chad, but I've had coaches come in and and go and talk to custodians and talk to the secretary. Yeah. You know, and kids don't realize you know that your reputation is, is is so valuable. You know, and you know if you know if they're going to spend three hundred four hundred thousand dollars on you for an education, you know they're going to they're going to do their homework. And um, so I know that, you know, Terrell was just a, a a fascinating kid. Then he goes to West Virginia, and while he's at West Virginia, he gets nominated for the Danny Warfor Award uh, for, like, the person who does the most uh, community service. Well, he would go on a Sunday morning before he would go in to watch film, he would go to McDonald's, and they would give him 20 bags, and he would take the 20 bags and, and go underneath the bridges and feed the homeless. um uh, wow. You know, yeah, he did. But there was a, a lot of good kids. I coached a lot of great kids. But also, I also had great assistant coaches. I, I had a tremendous group of coaches. You know, Mike Tommaso, Timmy Hugh, Jim Algio, Billy Hawthorne, you know, Bill Bradford, Brent Herring. I had a couple kids come back and coach with me that played for me, Preston Moser, Josh Ford. You know, around down the down line. I mean, those guys were just, you know. And I know you as head coach probably had a hard time. I had a hard time giving them uh, power to run. You know, I had a hard time letting someone run the defense or yeah. turning over. I, it was like I wanted to do it all. And then I figured out that you know, I, I'm not – they're smarter than I am. Let them run it. And they did a great job for me.
1: Yeah, doing better with that. I think that comes with age. Yes, it does. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I watched some coaches that try to do it all. I tried to do it all when I first came. and I, I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. And now with Huddle and all that, you know, uh, it's just, this it was too much for me.
1: Yeah. So you had, um, I think you guys won four district championships, district one championships. Yes. Uh, played Strathhaven, Innerboro, a bunch of different schools. Uh, well,
2: yeah. Well, Strathhaven, we, that was our nemesis. Strathaven, yeah. Kevin Clancy and that wing tee, that drove me berserk. That, we could not beat them. We would go down there year in and year out, year in and year out, and play them. And, yeah, Dan Connor, you know, he was rushing for 400 yards. and He was all right. Yeah, and Grant Wiley uh, broke the Pac-10 record running the wing tee against us as a fullback. You know, I think he had like 360 yards rushing against us. So we just could not we, – we couldn't defend the wing tee, you know. And so I went to – and a lot of people in Pennsylvania will know this name, uh, Chuck Clausing. Was, sure. our, was our defense coordinator at West Virginia when I was down there. I so said, he was at Carnegie Mellon, and they ran the wing tee. He run. He was a wing tee guru. So I called him, and I said, Coach, I need to know how to defend the wing tee. He said, you can't. You can't defend <laughs> So I called his D coordinator, and his D coordinator uh, said, come on out. So I went out, took a visit with him, and sat down with the D coordinator, and he taught me some things, some tendencies and things to do with it, uh, where to slant your front and when not to slant, when to slant, when to play man, when not to play man. And finally, we, we got Haven. Finally, we, we, we beat them in overtime uh, up here one year. And then I think we beat them a couple of times after that, but man, those guys, I mean, you, these wing T guys, uh, they, they are some type of coaches. I, you know, you look at Jimmy Roth up at uh, Southern Columbia and you watch them play the state championship games and, I went to a, uh, you you probably know about this, the Wings and Thing up in Lancaster. Word. They had a thing up there, Wings and Things, and um, uh, they asked me to come up and speak on how to defense the Wing T. Well, I got in there and I started saying, this is how we defend the Wing T, and those daggers were coming right out <laughs> of <you. laughs> Right. It's right. impossible. You can't do that. I mean, you can't. Well, if you do this, we're going to do that. I said, well, all right, well, then I'll do this. And it was, oh, man, it was like. Uh, it was it was like a, 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 a it was a great experience. I, I enjoyed it. I was laughing at him and everything. And um, I'm arguing with this guy in front of me. And here here it's Jimmy Roth and his staff and those guys on there. <laughs> they know they forgot more football than I know. But you know, so it was it was uh, you know it was good. Uh, and Interboro, I love coaching against Kevin Clancy at Strathaven. I, I you know I love coaching against Interboro. You know they were they were just uh, Steve Lennox was just that. You know, he never beat us, but uh we played them four or five times in, in in semis or the finals, and we had I think overtime three times and he went for two um and didn't get it a couple times. Um but yeah, we had some brawls with those guys and it was uh it was an experience. It really was an experience to uh to to play with those guys and play against those guys, you know, legends like so you know, Clancy and Lennox and who those guys are unbelievable.
1: Um, so um, you wanted to talk a little bit about the Mark Gannard story. Oh oh yes well that
2: Mark Ganard uh, and every coach has one of these kids. you know every every high school football coach has someone like this uh, in their program. but Mark Gannett was a kid that is a, as a sophomore. he came into our school. And uh, the very first day of school, he got kicked out of school for, uh, I don't know, fighting or, or, or smoking dope or something. I forget what it was. He got kicked out of school. And so you know, he came back in and he was always in trouble, always in trouble. And so he came out to me and said, uh, Hey, Penny Packer, I'm playing football for you next year. I said, Don't bother. You'll never, <laughs> you'll never make it. Just, just, just don't bother. He said, I'm playing for you. I said, All right. Well, don't. You're not going to play. So he came out his junior year and um, yeah, he was, he was okay. He played JV. He wasn't very good, but he was okay. You know, he's about, about 180 pounds, played offensive guard. And uh, I brought him in. I said, listen, kid, I don't know if, if you really should be playing football. I said, you, maybe you should be looking at something else. And he says, I'm going to play. So he got in, he never missed the weight room. He was in the weight room. He went from like 180 to maybe 210, 215. He was, his grades were absolutely perfect. He was not in any trouble in school. Uh, and he turned his whole life around. I was like, it's probably the biggest success story I've ever had in my coaching career. And, uh, he was just one, one funny kid. Um, I, I some of the, some of the, uh, stories that he would, about him are just absolutely incredible. The, how far he has come. Then, uh, he graduates, um, and at my daughter's wedding um my daughter got married November 22nd 2003 and hope I'm right on that
1: yeah uh, I was gonna the, say that was bold uh,
2: that was bold 22nd, <laughs> November 22nd is her birthday uh she got married I forget what it was but anyway <laughs> so on, on her wedding day I'm we're having the reception out here at the Springfield Country Club and I'm looking around and there's Timmy Hughes and Billy Hawthorne and Mike Tomaso, all my assistant coaches, Jim Malgio, they're all, they're all there, Bradford and Harry, and they're all like somber. And I said, Yo, guys, what you, what's going on here? You know, what? Come on now. This is my daughter's wedding. Cheer up. Have a drink. Have something to eat. Come on. And they were like avoiding me. I, I knew something was wrong, but I didn't know what. So that uh, they didn't happened. want to tell you. No, they didn't want to tell me. And uh, that night, uh, I come home and my son, Matthew, is out here in the, in the kitchen just crying like a baby i there. what is going on here i said you can't be that upset that your sister got married so the following morning and when i got up and told me she said uh there was a car car crash and mark Garrett was killed and that was um uh, that was probably the worst day of, of my coaching career I, I wow you know and then and every coach goes through deaths every coach has kids that you know play for you and pass away and everything. But but this kid here, you know, he was like a son to me. And his mother, uh oh, his mother, from that time on, Chad, she, she had a golf outing for us. And she she would raise ten, twelve, thirteen thousand dollars every year for our football team and give it to us just because of what we did for Mark and how we brought him along. And it was just, you know, it was it was one of the one of the greatest you know, comeback stories I've ever, I've been, ever been associated with. And every coach has some kid like that. Sure. Yeah. You know, but, uh, he was, uh, he was, uh, he was a piece of work. He was, a piece you of had, work. um,
1: you had also the unique experience of, um, uh, coaching against, uh, your son. Cause you lived in the Springport <laughs> school district. However, you coached, um, at a rival school district. And that's something that, uh, I thought I was going to experience, but Wilson dropped us. And oh, if I remember oh, I, calling you, I called you to talk about you know how you how you uh dealt with that, but Wilson decided to drop us instead of so they kind of stole that from me. Um, but talk a little bit about that, coach. with oh, your it was, son, it, it,
2: it, you know, uh, yeah, Ross. Ross grew up at Potts Grove. He would go with me every day. Him and Matthew would go to camp every day. They would go up to practice in the summer. They would go to camp up in the mountains with us. Uh, they went and I met when it, they became, uh, in the middle school, I made them start going to spring games and, and and not come to Potts Grove. And my daughter was in the band. So my wife would go watch her in the band and then she would take the kids to spring but they, they grew up with Potts Grove blood and, uh, when Ross started to play football for Springford, uh it was, it was pretty, pretty amazing. His sophomore year, he was on the, he was a center for the punt team and he centered one over the punter's head and we blocked it, scored, And, you know, of course, some of the kids that were Springford said, Oh, you did that because it's your dad. Yeah. And, uh, sure. yeah I'm sure Ross is going to try to lose a game for that. And then, and then uh, his senior year, uh, well, his junior year they were very good. I mean, no one was gonna beat that team, but with you know, with with that, those guys, they, they had a great team that year. And then his senior year, um, my wife always had a had a thing that during the week we don't talk to each other, you know. And usually we, we didn't see each other very much because I was coming home late from practice and he would always go up to his room and, and study or do something. Maybe not study, maybe talk to him <laughs> yeah. or something, but but he'd talk to him much. So I came home on Thursday night, and we had our pregame practice. Pregame, everything pays in the barn. We're going ready for Springford. I walk in the door, and on the dining room table, it has Springford Potts Grove scouting report, <laughs> and it's about fifteen pages, ten pages there. So I looked. I said, I can't look at it. So I, 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 I got to look at it. <laughs> so, so I turned around, and there was there was single wing stuff there was all this new stuff, new formations and everything. So I get on the phone <laughs> right away and I call my defense coordinator, Timmy Hughes. I said, Timmy, I, I'm the spring force running this stuff. He says, I thought they were doing some stuff different this year. I said, but well, this, well, I got this, the scout and they have all this stuff. Running. And uh, <laughs> he goes, well, so we go next day. We go to before the game, we get kids on the blackboard. Now, if they do this, this is what we're going to do. We spend about 20 minutes on it, 25 minutes. And, uh, I know we confused our kids, the kids' our heads are spinning, so we go play spring forward. I, I never did any of that, you know. So, I, <laughs> Ross said, I knew you would look at it, <laughs> and he, he he snookered me, he got me good. So, uh, you know, um, but another great story about uh about Pots Grove we go to camp, and, and you can ask, I know you work with Timmy, you can ask him about this story. We go to camp. And up in the Pocono Mountains, we we go um, we go up into the mountains. And every year, we the last night we were there, we would tell our seniors that we're going to uh, scare somebody about a bear. So so we we tell the seniors, look, we're gonna come by your cabin and make some bear calls. And so just tell the kids, don't get out of bed, stay in bed, and let us just scare the crap out of them. So Timmy can do all that. Timmy can do all that, you know, like the noises. Yeah, he can grunt like a bear. So we go up by their cabin, and we're outside the cabin, and we're grunting, and Timmy's grunting. And you can hear these kids and oh my God, there's a bear out there. And you know, and the, the seniors are saying, just lay in bed, the door's locked, everything's gonna be good, no problems, let it go. And I'm standing there after so hard with Timmy. And next thing you know, Chad, we hear something behind us back in the woods going, <laughs> <laughs> and Timmy looked at me, and I said, I didn't do that. And he looked around and said, let's get the heck out of here. We go <laughs> crazy. And uh, it was a bear there. Then the next two years later, we go, and right in the middle of, right in the, middle of the camp, a bear goes walking, walking through camp. And we're like, oh, my gosh, am I, we're going crazy. I mean, I can see my kids are coming out. Oh, there's a bear. I said, get back in your dorm. Get back there. Yeah, right. But I don't need someone getting attacked by a bear. But, it, you know, it was, it was all good. I, I enjoyed going to camp with those kids.
1: Yeah. So um want to try to wind it down here. Um sure. Probably Ann has some things for you to do today uh, before oh, football yeah. comes on.
2: Ann's working on her flowers right now.
1: <laughs> um, you know, you, you your career and you look back on it and obviously, um, you know, Potts Grove named the field after you, which is quite an honor. I know you feel – strange about that but certainly a great honor and you're uh in the PSfca uh Hall of Fame which just happened uh last year um, right but uh, I wanted to give you the opportunity just to kind of um talk at the end about you know just your generalities about coaching you know in terms of you know playing yeah coaching with teaching with those types of things and and what that's kind of what that's meant in your life. Well, you know, uh, growing up here in
2: Springford I, I, as a kid, the people I idolized the most, and the people that were the most respected people in the community, were teachers and coaches, uh, and especially the coaches. You know, uh, McNally and Seislove and Stippa and those guys. So I always wanted to be a coach, and I always wanted to—I didn't want to be anything else but a coach. And uh, as you as you look back upon it, you know, you. You always look at it, and I don't look at myself uh, as being a good coach. I just know that I had good kids. I had uh, tremendous support from my administration, and uh, and I had great coaches. And you know, I think I, I think Ann can tell you that there's times where we would go, uh, you know, nine and two or, or ten and three or something like that, and I would think I was going to get fired. You know, I, I I just never thought I was a. So if I can do this, if if I can get where I am today, I think anyone else could do the same thing. But my, my biggest advice is make sure you do your homework whenever you go. Don't, don't, don't just jump into anything, you know? And, and like, like I, I I admire you because you have taken a program from, uh, from the doldrums to where it is today, you know? And, and you, I I always, always look at coaches, uh, uh, Hank Burnett and, and guys like that jim mick and those guys and what did they do and how they did it and you know um you got to have support you got to have parents you got to have the kids and uh but you, you got to have your assistant coaches on board with you and uh and and you know when you look at coaches who have a stable assistant coaching staff you know like like i think you have guys on your staff that have been there for for years with you and that's what you need you need those yeah. guys to
1: give you that stability every year in year out yeah there's but, no doubt and try to recruit guys try to recruit good coaches to your program too you know we have Steve Moyer right uh, Johnny
2: Moyer Mick Rodenball yeah. all those guys I mean that's that's important you know and then you look at some of these other guys you know uh Pottsgrove, there's only been three head coaches there in the history of the entire school and so yeah, that's these, crazy some of these schools there's uh three coaches every three years you know so uh But I do believe that, uh, you know, and then, you know, and I'm sure you know this, uh, you got to have a supportive family. If if you don't have a wife and children who are going to support you, it's going to be hard for you to justify giving up so much time of your time for other kids. And, uh, you know, so I always felt like whenever I had time for my family, I tried to, you know, be with them. But uh, I never brought I tried not to bring football home with me while they were awake. I waited to go to bed, then I would watch film. But. You know, you gotta have a you gotta have a supportive wife. And you gotta have a supportive family, and if you have all that, then you know whether
1: you win or lose, you're you're still going to be successful. So right, all right. Well, thanks a lot, Rick. I appreciate you coming on, and um, we'll get this up on the internet pretty soon, and and uh, I'll push it out. So thanks oh, for taking time. I, I enjoyed. I hope I didn't bore you with all my stories. No, about. not at all. Not at all. Like I, you know, that's the whole point. Some, you know, I don't know if anybody can beat the Bobcat story. Um, <laughs> there's Jim uh, Jim Mick, Mick Senior said they couldn't. The bus didn't show up, and and they he told Reed to go find something to get him to a scrimmage, and he came back with a box truck, and kids were <laughs> kids were in the back of a box truck on the oh, way. To, like that's right. pretty classic too. Well, I, I I'll give you one more. You got here. Okay. It. Yeah, sure.
2: Uh, this one uh um, we had a when we were James wood our rival was Hanley and Hanley would come over they would always come over in some type of crazy thing they would uh, they would drive over on a uh in a hay wagon or something like that it was <laughs> only, only about a mile away from the school okay we were, we were the hick school and they were the they were the uh, city school so they came over and we were playing them at seven o'clock at night they come over at Six fifty-five, and they brought this moving company truck and they backed it up to the stadium and they were going to open the doors and the kids were going to run out and go out and play. So one of our kids, one of our students saw, heard about this and he had a lock, <laughs> put the lock on it. And finally the security guards got him and pulled him away, but he was trying to put the lock on it. I you know? uh, no, so, can't beat that. But, Jim the with a box truck. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, you Did imagine. they go?
1: Did they go in it? Oh yeah. And oh, cool. on the way home, after the scrimmage, jump back in and take it home. Jeez. Yeah, Do you imagine that stuff today? Like that's that's you know we we um the 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 double edged sword of of uh, our litigious society and and things like that. You lose some of these stories.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Really. Really. I. I. Yeah. Because.
2: I, like you said, you yeah, have clinic stories. I used to like going up to the clinic, the PSFCA clinic, and we would have a hospitality room from the PAC. Yeah. And we would just sit in there, and we'd listen to stories from, you know, <laughs> Joe Edwards and Algio and Burnett and well, it was Lonnie Moore. It was just, as a kid, <laughs> just sitting there going, wow. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, I, I, I hey, it's a great profession. It's a great profession. And Pennsylvania is a great place to coach. So, yeah, I everybody, the best of luck.
1: All right. Thanks a lot, Rick. Appreciate it. All right. Take Take it
0: easy. Thanks for joining us this week on the PA Football Story podcast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook or on our website, pafootballstory.podbean.com, where you can subscribe to the show on your preferred podcast platform or via RSS so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating, a follow, a like, a share or just simply tell a friend about the show.